it's lucky that you're getting that that early in the third game of the season for sure. You get that. It's just only a week, though, before Clemson. So it's going to be a big t- turnaround on how you want to have your response. Mangravel has pressed so much about response, and this team has done a good job of doing that. But this is going to be their biggest test at what kind of response they want to be mentally going into this game on, on Saturday afternoon. Afternoon, Do they want to be big dogs? Do they want to fight? Do they want to win this conference? Had all this chatter. You got you got your NIL money. You got the transfers in. You've got everything. You got your quarterbacks. You got your star running back, who Trey Benson will be a big talk here in a few minutes because we got to talk about him. Do you want to win? A, do you want to win an ACC championship? Do you want to do that? And these guys have got to change their mentality, whole 180 from what they went up to Boston College with whenever they go up to Clemson on Saturday afternoon. Hey guys, it's Terrence Nan. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go Dogs. Hey, what's up? This is Peter Ward, a.k.a. E-Dub, in the house. You know, we're listening to Hear the Spear, presented by No Game Day. Go live, go nose. Hi, this is Charlie Ward, and you're listening to Hear the Spear, go nose. This is Terrell Buckley. You're listening to Hear the Spear, presented by No Game Day. No bloody. But perhaps better known as the greatest corner to ever step on a football field, Deion Primetime Sanders. Great Deion Sanders, my brother. What's going on, bro? man? I, I could wake up to that greedy every day, man. That was awesome. Hello, those fans. This is former Seminole Derek Brooks, and you're listening to Here's the Spear, presented to you by No Game Day. James Wilder Jr. What's going on, James? Thanks for having me on. SSOD, Florida State or Die, and go no. William Barnon Floyd. Gentlemen, what's up? It is officially Florida State versus Clemson week. Not really maybe prime time, but it is going to be prime time for a lot of Florida State fans and Clemson fans coming in and watching the broadcast or in the stands at Death Valley. We're looking forward to being up there in just a few days. Dustin, Austin, and I traveling over to Clemson for what should be a fun matchup. Always is, but it feels like right now both teams kind of in the same same regard of talent, but it might be a little bit different of a story after Saturday afternoon. We'll see which team decides to show up on Florida State side along with Dabo Sweeney's squad. But we've got a great podcast this evening. We're going to be previewing Florida State versus Clemson. And then we're going to be going through practice observations from the week. We've got some NFLs to go through. Uh, then we're going to jump into a few other things, including the AP poll. We're going to talk about Dabo, what he said about Florida State this week. And then we're going to talk keys to beating Florida, uh, beating, yeah, beating Florida State, beating Clemson. And then at the very end, we'll be giving our score predictions. But with us this evening to get us started, give us the inside scoop on, Cle- on Clemson. We've got Christian. Say it with the last name. Go Kel. Just kidding. Go Kel. He's going to be with us. No, he is yeah. with our SI Clemson site. He does a phenomenal job over there. Their team. Uh, is covering the Clemson Tigers for us on the network. Phenomenal job and happy to have him on board with us to give us some insight into what Dabo Sweeney is going to be bringing on Saturday. But how you doing, Christian? Happy to have you on. Well, I appreciate you guys having me on. I know it's uh, it's not often we get in September with a chance to eliminate Clemson from ACC and CFP contention. So this one's this was exciting. Dude, it's strange to just see Clemson not ranked. You know, it's just weird to feel that way. Um, obviously, losing to Duke early on, but it just it's a weird time that we're in right now. Where Florida, it's just swapped where Florida State's ranked number four, and then you've got Clemson not ranked at the moment. Yeah, it's fascinating, and it's, it's kind of what happens. It's two years, I think, I kind of led up to the not being ranked the, the past two years, and then losing to Duke the way you did with everybody watching it on a Monday night. I don't think there's any reason – 
in terms of the AP poll for them to be ranked. But you look at all the metrics that S&P Plus is and the FBI's and all of those, Clemson's still up there ranked. But the one that matters, yeah, this is interesting. I thought for sure if they'd slip them in at number 25 just so they could say it's a top 25 matchup. But right. here we are. I, you know, I don't know what the media access is there for y'all, but what what did like practice look like training camp? How'd that look like for y'all during camp going into the season? Did anything seem different or anything that y'all were hearing from the inside to make it to where, you know, Clemson didn't show up the way that we're used to seeing them? Uh, I mean, Davos really controls the narrative. And I think the biggest storylines coming out offensively were the excitement around getting Garrett Riley there. But then it kind of became, okay, we got to find the patience and we have to find the guys here who are going to be able to move this offense fast. And it's, okay, well, this offense isn't going to go that fast. So when you actually got eyes on the offense and what they were able to do, you could tell even in camp that this was still going to be a running back-led offense here just because Will Shipley and Phil Moffa, they're the veteran guys. Kate Klubnick's coming in really as a first-year starter. Got one start uh, last year in the Orange Bowl, but besides that, I mean, guy didn't get a ton of snaps last year so you knew this was going to be a running back and then a team led by the defense and that was really the storyline to start the year Barrett Carter Jeremiah Trotter those dudes on defense a bunch of big time freshmen coming in with a bunch of COVID super seniors across the defensive line so offensively it was excitement and then kind of tamping that down a little bit and then defense just getting back to what they should be under West Goodwin. I guess just to start off you know we mentioned Clemson coming up short against Duke to start off the year, you know, going back to that game, where have you seen the Tigers improve the most over the last two weeks? Well, uh, I'd say the last, I wouldn't say the last two weeks. I'll say the last three quarters of Charleston Southern in the first half against FAU were about the best football that they've played so far. And it's just not turning the ball over, right? Clemson has been able to move the ball. The, the yardage that they put up is just about as good as anybody in the country. It's just finishing when they get to the red zone. That's where they've struggled. I mean, They've had four fumbles lost already. They fumbled the ball five times. The terrible pick six that Kate Klebnick threw against Charleston Southern. It's just not being able to hold on to the ball. So in those five quarters, I'd say, you've seen what this team can be where the defense is three and out after three and out. Offense is explosive, scoring points. But then you have the whole Duke game and the first quarter against Charleston Southern. I'd say the second half against FAU, you've seen what else they can be, which is a team that can move the ball, but it's really sporadic. And on paper, I mean, Clemson, like you said, they've been looking pretty good on offense, averaging nearly 490 yards a game. So, I mean, this is a team that can clearly move the ball up and down the field. Bringing in TCU offensive coordinator Garrett Riley, what do you feel like he's added so far? I know it's still very early in the season for Clemson, but just getting a chance to see him working with that offense, how do you feel maybe it's different compared to previous seasons? So Dabo Sweeney kind of scared everybody before week one saying that it's still a Clemson offense, which if you read between the lines, that's him saying, I'm going to give him the parameters in which he can call plays. But I know I, I kind of talked to you about this a little bit in an article that we're working on. It, mm -hmm. it was needed, right? Because you saw Garrett Riley's offense can win 99% of games that he plays, right? If he has the right guy quarterback, the right wide receivers, he could win football games. But you run up against Georgia, he scores seven points, right? There has to be some elements of being balanced with this offense. So he comes to Clemson, I think, Clemson was too, I don't say too balanced, but just they were lacking explosives. So he's brought some of that explosive back to Clemson. They've ranked in the bottom half of the country for the past two years in terms of plays over 20 yards, right? So you bring in Garrett Riley trying to fix that up a little bit, but now it's bringing it back and dialing in with him calling those plays where, hey, I'm used to calling this after I pick up two or two yards or three yards. I'm used to calling this after I pick up 14 yards. 
okay, with Cade Klubnik as a sophomore, with the wide receivers I have, with the two really good running backs, am I having to switch up my calls? I really think, like Sweetie said, they needed a preseason game before they got to Duke, but they just kind of got thrown right into the fire and all of those kinks kind of jumped up and bit them. Now you've seen them with two games where they've been able to kind of dial that stuff in. I think you're seeing now Garrett Riley can bring some explosion to the offense, but also the ability to go fast and dial it back when he needs to. While we're sticking to the offense, something recent here from the FAU game, losing Cole Turner now for the entire season. How do you think that impacts specifically that wide receiver room, but as an offense as a whole for Garrett Riley moving forward and, you know, specifically going into this weekend, how that impacts that, that offense? Yeah, he was just, he's the guy that you could throw to and you knew he was going to come down with it for the most part. And so it, it kind of switches that wide receiver room up a little bit. They didn't really have that guy to where they felt comfortable, just third and five, we could put in a tight window and he's going to come down with it. So now it kind of shuffles things and adds some different guys to the role. I think you'll see a lot more of Tyler Brown, uh, ACC rookie of the week. Uh, last week against FAU had two touchdowns in that game. I think you'll see a lot more of him in the rotation, but I think the biggest impact is going to be Who's the go-to guy on third and five, third and six for this team going forward? Yeah, Dabo said he's one of the speediest guys, if not the speediest, yeah. on Clemson's offense. And right. you, know, you always love having one of those. That's something that we've known covering Florida State for a while. You know, Clemson always usually has a speedy wide receiver that can blow off the top of defense at the back end of things, and that's something that Cole Turner uh, definitely can make an impact on. But, you know, now out for the rest of the season and we'll be playing this upcoming Saturday. You know, there's always, you know, some chatter too, just staying on the offense as well. We've given a lot of praise to this guy a ton of times, and Adam Fuller hasn't figured out a way to stop him yet, but this is Will Shipley, uh, potential first or second round probably now with the running backs and how it is in the NFL draft, but still highly, highly productive for what the Tigers like to do in that offense for Garrett Riley. Uh, you know, what is one thing that just really makes him special? Well, what, what do you think that he's able to do that just gives defenses fits because FSU fans just continue to deal with him. And I know they can't wait for this to be the last time they face him on Saturday. It's bittersweet, more and more sweet than anything. Well, it's understandable, right? I mean, he's the guy when Clemson's offense doesn't work, it's like, okay, let's flip to the side of the playbook. that just says Shipley, give him the ball and something good's going to happen. I think that's special uh, when it comes to having a player like that. And it's been tough for him because the past two years, more often than not, Clemson's been in survival mode a lot of times in the second half, and it's just we have to give you the ball. We're not going to really be able to be creative and let you be explosive. We just need five yards and then build the offense off of that. So I was excited when this season started to see, okay, now Garrett Riley's coming in. How is he going to utilize Will Shipley? But unfortunately for Will Shipley, first three games of the season, a lot of times it's been, okay, our offense is turning the ball over against Duke. Just hit the panic button and hand the ball to Will Shipley. I think once this thing gets rolling, you're going to see a lot more of him in the slot. You're going to see a lot more screen set up to him with Phil Moppa being the guy that gets, I don't want to say a bulk of the carry, but probably more carries than Shipley. But Shipley end up with more touches just because they want to find a way to get him the ball in open space. I'm not calling him B. John Robinson, but kind of like how the Falcons have been using Bijan a little bit. Put him on the slot, throw him the screen, hit him on a slant, just find a way creatively – to scheme open some space for him and then let him go to work. He's, he's a special football player. He's just been the emergency button for the past two years. Shipley and Moffa are obviously a really talented duo. How does uh Cade Klubnik kind of factor into that equation? Like, do they use him uh, a lot, like with his legs? Is he a mobile quarterback? And then just kind of sticking with that as well. What kind of improvements have you seen from him as he steps into his first true season as Clemson's starting quarterback? <laughs> 
So to answer the question, I'll kind of caveat it with this. I, I think there's a little bit of caution tape around Cade Klubnik, and it's probably a lot from Dabo Sweeney. And if you ask Garrett Riley from him too, if you use, lose Cade Klubnik, that's you don't have a Cade Klubnik sitting on the bench. Like last year you had DJ and Cade Klubnik was sitting there ready to roll, right? Right now, I don't know if they're ready to go to those backups right now and feel comfortable running the offense the way they want to run it. So I don't know how many design runs you're going to see from Cade Klubnik, but I do think the Garrett Riley offense really starts to sing a little bit when you let the quarterback get involved. We saw from Max Duggan last year, but I mean, Mm -hmm. Max Duggan was a different type of dude. He can take the hits from the linebackers and the defensive linemen and pop right back up. Cade Klubnik, a little bit more slender. He did put on some weight this offseason, but his talents with his arms, man, he can put the ball all over the field. So I think maybe just to keep the defense honest, they give him some runs. He can extend plays. He's done a better job not panicking in the pocket, letting it develop and then delivering it or extending uh, the pocket a little bit. But I mean, Duke, you kind of saw situational awareness wasn't there slid before the first down. So it was just those things, those, those things he's going to have to work through, but he's incredibly athletic. He could, you get him an open field, he could score a touchdown, but I don't think just because, you have so much season left that they're going to have too many design run plays for him. But if he does need to, he can move. I want to stick just one last time over here on the offense, going strictly to y'all's offensive line. What have you seen out of them throughout the first three games of the season? And, you know, that's one thing that Florida state is going to bring a big factor in. That's one thing that they bring the talent. Uh, They got production there. You know, you're talking about Jared verse, uh, Pat Payton kind of having a little bit of a slower start to the season, but that's what we saw last year out of him, but really strictly on the inside, though, on that interior defensive line. Although, going back to the Boston College game, pretty bleak in some regard until we got into the <laughs> latter half of the game. Some things had to be woken up there, but still, the talent is there, and we've seen disruption in the first two games before that. But going to Clemson's offensive line, I think a lot of FSU fans, they rely on the confidence of that front seven just because of the experience that's there what are they going to be dealing with going against this offensive line that Clemson has? Well, number one, uh, Kate Klubnick does not have the legs of Thomas Castellanos. So uh, Florida State fans don't have to worry about that. That'd be special. But uh, in terms of the offensive line, I think this is going to be interesting, right? Because Garrett Riley started with the Mike Leach air raid, which offensive linemen have super wide splits inside of that, but then kind of started going towards – developing with his brother and Dana Holgerson towards that power raid where it's you have the lineman a little bit in tight and the splits get a little bit more narrow and so you're able to run traps and pulls and stuff like that I'd be interested to see if they come out their base offense which is more of that traditional five where you have the splits in tighter so they can pull and trap if they start getting beat I would be interested to see if Clemson widens out those splits a little bit, goes a little bit more towards a quick tempo passing game, just getting the ball out of his hands to kind of neutralize that. Oh, sorry. I thought you were asking a question. Oh, no, you're good. No, you're good. No, you're good. Go ahead. Keep going. Oh, no. This is going to say, so again, it's, they're going to run, Clemson's going to run two back sets. They want to establish the run and get that offensive line lathered up a little bit, but you're going to see them. They're, Four out of five starters, Journey Tristan Lee, really, really solid at left tackle, the guy who slid in there. So they're going to be able to, I think, try to neutralize that just with play action, with running the football. If Verse and them get a little too excited, try to come upfield, Clemson does a really good job with counters underneath that. And so I'd watch out for that early. But again, if they start teeing off on Klubnik, you might see them widen out those splits a little bit, go more traditional air raid, and start trying to hit those slants fast. 
Let's move over to the other side of the ball because Clemson, I mean, traditionally, they always have a really good defense. And so far this year, at least statistically, sitting with a top 10 defense in the country, um, allowing under 100 rushing yards a game. I think what really caught my attention is just 41 first downs allowed in three games. So just from your perspective, what do you feel like the Tigers are doing well on that side of the ball to start off the year? Uh, Getting off the field, man, they're forcing three and outs. Uh, I'd say think the number was just around 40% of the drives are three and outs. And then if you started going past that, it's okay. They got a first down on first down and then they went three and out again, right? Very few long drives against this defense. So they do a really good job of getting off the field. I think it's just a senior late in defense, right? You had Tyler Davis, Ruka Roro come back, Xavier Thomas. Uh, I think Tyler Davis is in six year of football now, I think already three time all ACC could be four time all ACC. Uh, by the time this is done, and then you are able to keep those guys fresh with getting a T.J. Parker and Peter Woods, those big-time freshmen from Alabama to come in and play. And so it's it's that traditional Brent Venables and now West Goodwin defense where they're, for the most part, base going to send four, are going to be in cover one for half the game, going to go too high uh, for the other half, just depending on what you're doing offensively. So I, I just – they get off the field. They don't really make the big mistake, but – what I'm interested to see against Florida State is with West Goodwin, they're running that cover one a little bit more, which is that single high safety with those receivers that they're big and speedy. So they have that dynamic. I'm interested to see if they're able to run those blitz packages, send four and go singles on the sideline like they have, or if Coleman and Wilson start beating them on the outside, pass interferences, catching the big plays like that, if they have to go, towards a more traditional cover two look splitting those safeties out uh, to give them some help because that those guys are mismatches no matter who you put them on. Yeah, there's a question here from Wit one on YouTube, and we'll stick to the corner because I think this will be big for this game as you were just speaking of uh, there, Christian. Going to Johnny Wilson, Keon Coleman, then you add in Jaheim Bell tight end, but you've also got uh, the running back room that Florida State loves to utilize there with Lawrence Toa Philly, sometimes with Trey Benson too. What do you think about this corner room? And, you know, the, how, how, how much of an impact they're going to have to make on, on Saturday with them. And what have you seen maybe through practice and a little bit of fall camp that would make you maybe feel, you know, a little bit more comfortable whenever you're going against these guys that Florida State has been able to build some produ- uh, production out of? Yeah, two veteran guys. I think they're really, really good. Sheridan Jones and Nate Wiggins. Uh, Nate Wiggins had a pick six uh, last week. He's 6'1", six, 6'2", six, if you put him in cleats, but he's very slight, right? So, Going up against a 6'3 guy like Coleman or 6'7 like Johnny Wilson, I think it's going to be a challenge for him. But in terms of college cornerbacks, it's tough to pick out too many duos that are better than those guys. I think the part that probably scares uh, Wes Goodwin and Davos Sweeney a little bit right now is Andrew Bakuba hasn't played yet over the past couple of games. And he's just he's dealing with an injury. They're keeping it pretty quiet. We don't know what's going on with that. They'll say he's back kind of running with the team at practice and then you get before the game and all of a sudden he's not playing in the game. So it's been a freshman, Khalil Barnes out of North Oconee in Georgia, who is a stud and won the MVP of the spring game and has already made some highlight plays in the game so far. But if he's going up against one of those guys out of the slot, I think that might worry uh, the defensive coordinator, defensive staff over there for Clemson. But again, if you're just talking about the corners on the outside, mm-hmm. uh, Jones and Wiggins are about as solid of the duos you can have in college football. Uh, I muted Dustin. My fault. I was going to say, who's someone on this Clemson defense that uh, maybe isn't a star at this point or someone that's flashed a ton, but that maybe could play a big impact in this game on Saturday? Uh, 
TJ Parker, I'd say the freshman defensive end uh, out of Phoenix City there in Alabama. He leads the team with four and a half tackles for loss, but he's only played half the snaps. I think he's got 72 uh, total snaps right now. So I, I think your tweet. I saw of, your tweet today. Yeah, yeah. I saw it. Yeah. Yeah, I think they've kind of been lathering him up a little bit over the past couple of games. And honestly, it's just going to come – eventually it's going to come down to production where if, if Justin Mascal isn't producing, right, if, if Xavier Thomas isn't producing and he's getting after him, I don't think they're going to have any problem playing a freshman over these seniors. Devil Sweeney wants to win football games at the end of the day. But in a game against Florida State with a line like they have, can he stand up to the test and make sure he's not busting uh, an edge every time we're just making sure he's sealing his edge every time because against a team like Florida State with the tight ends and the tackles they have, you do that, it's a house call uh, if they go off tackle in a run play. So uh, I think he's the guy to watch out for. And then, again, I, I'd say Khalil Barnes because he is going to be playing a lot of snaps at that nickel position. It's either going to be him or Wade Woodass, whichever side of the ball you'll put the tight end on is going to be the guy who's lined up on that slot receiver. So he's going to get a lot of run on Saturday and he's got a lot of run already in practice going up against some good wide receivers, but it's going to be a different piece on Saturday. I always like asking the experts on this that are covering their team and you definitely know the ins and outs of everything. And uh, you've been informing us a lot tonight. So I appreciate you hopping on here with us, Christian, yeah. but from maybe a fan's perspective of Clemson and maybe, you know, you covering the team, what do you think is the biggest threat from Florida State's side that could really you know change the game for the Seminoles on beating Clemson what's one thing that you think there's some vulnerability from the Tigers uh, that Dabo Sweeney might be holding on to there man I hate to say it but I think it's Kate Klubnik right now he he tries to win the game with every throw and that I think is Dabo Sweeney he's having to fight that a little bit if you go back and watch the Charleston Southern game that first half when he throws that pick six it's just a dude trying to do too much with the football if he can dial it in and just play within himself he's as good I think talent wise right arm legs build he's as good as anybody in the country it's just between the ears right now I think he's hyper competitive I think he's trying to right all of Clemson's wrongs from the past two years with every throw Garrett Riley's offense is designed to set you up for easy plays right it, it goes back to the air raid man it's just mesh you're gonna have a wide receiver running this way a wide receiver running this way and then a tight end settling over the middle somewhere can mm -hmm. you hit your guy and there's always going to be someone open. It's just finding him. So I'm curious to see on Saturday if they just let him cut it loose or if they try to protect him a little bit with just some design reads. You're going to throw the football here. You're going to hand the football off to Bill Moffa and Will Shipley. And if all of a sudden they get down two scores, then you have to cut him loose. I'm curious to see what happens. But I think if there's one thing, you put Davos Sweeney in a room with nobody else, you ask him, what worries you the most about Saturday? It's his quarterback. And again, it's not anything to do with talent. I think he's going to be exceptional. He's an NFL quarterback. But right now, this is the biggest game of his life. Can he step up and just hit the right reads every time? Yeah, do you think that, though, if that ends up happening, he's struggling early on. If Florida State's pass rush is able to get there, you really are going to rely on a lot of Will Shipley. I think from the jump, you're going to rely on Will Shipley. I think with these new clock rules, don't be surprised if Clemson's trying to bleed that thing early here to keep Florida State's offense off. Run the football because the best way to neutralize a great defensive end and get those guys tired is just – put Jake Brenningstool on that side, whichever side versus on it, just double team in and beat the crap out of him every single play, get him tired early, make him defend the run and then play action off of that. It's one thing I haven't seen Clemson do a ton. And you just, you don't see it a lot with Garrett Riley's offense because everything happens really fast. It's there's that hasn't been a big play actions where you get those backers to come up and you can hit that zone behind them. So I think you start with Will Shipley, you start with Bill Moffa body blows just to slow down that front a little bit. And then you're going to get Cade Klubnik involved in the game. 
this has been a, a really close game the past two years. And I mean, it very could well come down to a kick at the end, you know, depending on how things play out on Saturday. Seems like Clemson has struggled a little bit with the kicking game so far, but they're also bringing back an old member of the team who could potentially take the starting reins this weekend. Uh, what can you tell us about that story? Yeah, I'd be interested to see if they let him go, but Gunn's been solid, man. He's, he's, you go back to the spring and then through summer. I mean, there's a reason that they brought him in. He's, I know the stars work differently when it comes to kickers and punters, but he's one of those guys who's been top 10 in all of the rankings across the country. I, I think Sweeney, you don't bring in a guy a week of and just let him go. Right. Cause you haven't had the crowd, especially against the Florida state. You haven't had the crowd screaming at him. I think they stick with gun and let, and let him cook there. Now, if he misses, that could, that could be a different story there early, but I think they let him cook a little bit. And if he hits the first one, I think that lets him take that big sigh of relief and then he's able to get, to get going. And I think last one for me, Clemson has obviously yeah. won seven straight games in this series. And, you know, during that cor- during the course of that winning streak, you know, they've gone on to win the AC championship and go on to win national championships as well. Just with Clemson now, not being as highly regarded as they were previous seasons and this being a little bit maybe of a retooling year for them. How important is it to pull out this game in Death Valley on Saturday against Florida State? Man, that's what makes it that much more important. You say the word retool. I think if you look at this roster right now, it's kind of a win now roster, especially defensively, right? I mean, you're not going to have Tyler Davis next year. You're not going to have Ruka Roro next year. Jeremiah Trotter and Barrett Carter are gone next year. If, probably all of your starting secondary is gone next year to the NFL, right? You have a defense that is designed to win championships. You have four out of your five offensive linemen back on offense. You have two junior all ACC candidate running backs ready to rock there. You have wide receivers on the outside who haven't played great, lived up to the recruiting rankings, but they're all blue chippers on the outside. You have a five-star sophomore quarterback, which, I mean, in today's day and age of college football, that's a veteran, right? So (laughs) you have all the ingredients right now of a college football team that's supposed to win this conference and go to the college football playoff. So I don't think any Clemson fans are looking at this as a retool season. I think they're looking at this as we are fighting tooth and nail on Saturday to win. I mean, it's going to be a noon kick, but Death Valley is going to be humming early. So uh, they're looking at this as win or go home, and it's it's going to be a dogfight from Clemson's side. Yeah, uh, we're got to be close to sold out tickets potentially. I wouldn't be shocked if it's going to. I be... think the only ones on our resale the Florida State tickets. So I mean, I got y'all sitting up in the rafters. <laughs> yeah, they do. Yeah, that's exactly kind of what they had there in 2013 as well. Got the band up there, uh, up there, mm-hmm. you know, as far away as possible. But you know, that Death Valley is still going to bring the noise. I'm excited for. Excited to be up there. The last time was back in 2013. So it's been been a little while. Uh, interested to see the result too. But yeah, just going off of to the ACC specifically, this is a massive, massive, this is the ACC game of the year until you get to the ACC championship just because the division's being gone. And now to see up here with Duke, you've got Louisville, that's winning. They won their first conference game, but Miami seems to be in a better spot than we saw definitely last year. UNC too is hanging on with Drake May. Um, you know, Clemson need, needs a win in the calm, but really specifically if they could do that to Florida State, that helps them a ton. But, you know, I wouldn't be shocked, though, if we see Clemson kind of start making that churn, that turn like they do in the middle of the season, near the latter half, too, and they get things clicking where we see 
another rematch. Florida State Clemson up there in Charlotte. So a lot goes into this one on on Saturday. Um, just to end this off, too, Christian, appreciate you hop, hopping on here with us for 30 minutes, giving us a phenomenal, phenomenal rundown of the Tigers. What are you thinking? What are you thinking on your end of things? Just gut telling you, um, you don't have to really specifically give a score, but if there's any way you're leaning at this moment on Wednesday night at 7.30, where is your gut telling you at the moment? So football analytics mind is telling me every now and then just with the way the cycles work in college football, a team's going to run into having the ingredients, right? It feels like Florida State has those ingredients right now. Jordan Travis – patient with him you let him develop and now he's as good of a college quarterback as you're going to have he's not making the wrong read he's not taking stupid sacks he's able to get the football out so he's there you have a good offensive line you got some running backs you have studs outside at receiver which in today's day and age in college football is the new bell cow back right so you have the ingredients on offense you got a top five pick uh, as a defensive end right now I think Kalen Deloach is a guy that doesn't get enough love at his linebacker spot you got really good guys in the secondary so you have the ingredients on the team that's supposed to make the run it's supposed to get rid of the evils that have been troubling it for the past decade right you're supposed to be Clemson so if I'm just football analytics mind I could see Florida State walking in and winning by two scores just if if Clemson turns the football over and Jordan Travis just takes the what defense has given him and makes the right reads I can see them winning by two scores. But on the flip side of that is college football, right? And it's mm-hmm. it's a bunch of 18 to 22-year-olds, unless you have every, every now and then you get the 25-year-old who's still out there rocking and rolling. But it's it's college football, and it's Death Valley at noon, and it's winter go home for Clemson. So I could also see this as, like, this is the gut check time for the Tigers. And, yeah, they're not ranked right now, but they got as many five stars and four stars as anybody else in the country. And if they can come together, they can play aggressive, and punch Florida State in the mouth. I don't see any reason why Clemson doesn't handle it. We saw Florida State's mortal. We saw it last week, right? So they're, they're, to me, there's a couple of different ways it goes. Florida State wins by two scores where Clemson comes out and is just throwing haymakers from the jump. I think it's going to be a really good game, competitive into the fourth quarter, and I think you're going to see Clemson step up because I think those guys, especially on the defensive side, have a lot of pride. Yeah, I think regardless, this one's building up to be another – really good addition of this rivalry series and Florida state, you know, they may be on paper a little bit more talented going into this matchup, but Clemson's got the edge with this rivalry as of late and Florida state's obviously got a little bit of some mentality to overcome to win this one and a building they haven't won in in 10 years. Yeah. It'll be a decade when when this one runs up. So it's, (laughs) uh, it's going to be interesting. No more Jimbo Fishers rolling through uh, death Valley. Now we'll see if Mike Norvell can get one. Yeah, we'll see. We'll most certainly see. Those two have an interesting relationship, too. That's like the best way you can really put it, too, just because of the whole COVID thing and would really yeah. love to be on the inside there and kind of figure out what was going on uh, back when that game uh, didn't happen. That was, a, that was a weird, weird, weird time we were in. It's a weird sure. year, yeah. Yep, yep. But, um, yeah, man, Christian, appreciate you coming on here. This was awesome. I know our listeners are, are big fans of uh, being able to get the inside of what's gonna what we're going to be seeing on Saturday with the opponents. So I uh, did a phenomenal job and appreciate you hopping on here. Everybody, if you guys want to go read some of their previews as they give their side of Florida State versus Clemson, make sure you guys go check out all Clemson. They do a phenomenal job over there for the network. So shout out to those guys and definitely specifically Christian giving us the rundown this evening. All right, fellas, we'll see you all up there. Yep. See you up in Death Valley. Looking forward to it. Sweet deal. Well, there goes Christian. Appreciate him hopping on here. 
that was a great rundown. That was a man knows his ball. And he also knows Florida State very well, too, giving some uh, love to Kalen Deloach, someone that we try to do as much as we can on here. But good to hear from the other side on how they're going to be prepared to stop, uh, you know, Jordan Travis alongside also defensively what Florida State's going to have to do. Uh, against Will Shipley and, you know, Kate Klubnik, who's ha- kind of having a little bit of a slower start to the season than maybe thought of, still younger, but, you know, starting to adjust and, and is going to, he'll find his, he'll find his rhythm here soon, but we'll see if it happens on Saturday or not. It's huge. These are my favorite type of episodes. You know, it's, it's one thing for us to go and look at Clemson stats and, you know, go watch some of the games that they've been able to play in the past, but to have someone in that covers the program day by day and specifically focuses on the Tigers to, to give that kind of uh, insight is extremely helpful as well. And we'll actually be doing a behind enemy lines piece with Christian. Um, I'll be answering some questions about Florida state. He'll be answering some questions about the Clemson Tigers and that'll be going up on both of our respective websites. So keep an eye on out, keep an eye out for that one later in the week. Yep, those pieces are always great to read. So make sure you guys go check that out, but let's get started here. I want to give, Dustin, the floor here, though, to get a chance to talk about Boston College. As he was up there, he couldn't join. He had to take care of some press conference duties. So Austin and I held it down on a Saturday afternoon. But D. Lou, give us your thoughts on what was a sluggish kind of play style from the Seminoles that showed up there in Boston with. What a game. Uh, I think that's all you can really say about it. It was a football game. Um, through the first through the first three quarters, it was a pretty interesting story for Florida State. I think that we were getting ready to call it, you know, a, a big win coming overcoming adversity early, you know, making trailing ten to three and then making that twenty eight oh run to go up thirty one to ten. You know, it seemed like the Seminoles were in control of that game and from there we're just kinda gonna ride things out and finish it. But then Boston College, I mean, they began to turn things around quickly, you know, getting that fumble on the kickoff. And then the the freak, the kind of freak play where Keon Coleman misses the block and then Lawrence Toa Philly fumbles and it's recovered by BC. I mean, right into the BC defender's hands, basically, and he just runs it in the end zone. So, I mean, two freak plays, BC's right in the game, Florida State's on their heels. And, you know, they they didn't look comfortable out there. You, you were able to get that late defensive stop finally where BC's in fourth and forever and punts it. And you're like, of course, this offense that we're looking at that has all the, to- all the tools to be a top 10 unit in the country of course they're going to get a first down or two and run out this clock and not have to worry about it. But instead, I mean, you get saved by a face mask penalty, which was a little fitting for this game, you know, being the penalty that gave Boston College a new school record for penalties in a game. I mean, that was was ridiculous. And then, yeah, I mean, the last 30 or 40 minutes of real time, you know, watching that college football game were just mind-boggling. But Florida State did just enough to escape by the skin of their teeth. Uh, you got to hope looking at it, maybe from the positive side, you've got to hope that this is a wake up call. And, you know, when they got up 31 to 10, they eased off a little bit and Boston college never eased off. And we heard Mike Norvell in his postgame speech talk about, you know, the importance of every rep and every time you step up, step out on that field, you're hoping that this team has learned that lesson now, especially going against an opponent that is a lot more talented than the Boston college team that they saw this past weekend. And it's, it's not very comforting to look at that box score and, Realize that Florida State's renowned offense got outgained by over 110 yards by a Boston College unit that had struggled mightily against Holy Cross and Northern Illinois at home with a new starting quarterback. Um, BC had, I think, over 250 yards of offense just on third downs alone. 
it was it's a very poor outing by both sides of the ball. It was ugly, 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 ugly for sure. And I just, we've said enough. VZ and us went on a thirty minute rant of everything that went down. <laughs> so kind of just gonna move on from it. Can't fully block it out because that's just not the way that you want any kind of football team of that magnitude with the talent on board to play and the attitude that they kind of came with. You had some flashbacks from a couple years ago. But, you know, a lot of mistakes, little things here and there. But whenever you're facing a team going into this upcoming Saturday, though, you just can't do that. You know, Dabo Sweeney is going to take full advantage of any kind of opportunity that you're going to give him, uh, any kind of mistakes he's going to try to take advantage of. So, um, yeah, not, not not the prettiest game. Maybe, uh, yeah, Dustin, at least you had a good time up there in Boston. But, oof, that might be – we might have to take a break from that trip. Yeah, I mean, and also it just feels traditionally. I mean, Boston College, for whatever reason, when Florida State goes up there, they they play them tough. I mean, you know, you think back to the 2017 game where Florida State got their heads pounded in 35-3, to three, and then in 19, you just barely win during Jordan Travis's debut. You barely won in 2021 after getting out to a big lead. So, I mean, this one had a little bit of shades of that. I, f- I forget exactly what it was in 2021, but Florida State, I think it was maybe 21-3. to three. I mean, they were up a couple possessions. Boston College came storming back and they survived. And then, you know, you look at this one up three possessions and they just barely, barely survived. But you've got to hope, you know, you'd rather be on this side of it than the other side. And you hope from here, Florida State, they learn because, you know, each week you're going to get every team, every team you play from here on out. I mean, they're playing a top five team. This is their season. They're going to go out there and put their best effort on the table to try and upset Florida State. And I mean, you were already getting that a couple years ago. Whenever Florida State wasn't even making bowl games, you were still getting your best because it's Florida State. I mean, whenever you're playing mm-hmm. against FSU, people want to go out there and beat you because FSU is a premier program in college football. And now that they're even higher ranked, that edge is going to be uh, risen a little bit by every team that you face. I mean, FSU, we've talked about it. You just got to take care of business week to week. Don't overlook anybody and don't let your foot off the gas again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Casalenos, that definitely a special player, though. That, that kid knows how to get out of the pocket and make things out of nowhere happen. Like, had a little bit of some Jordan Travis early signs of that kind of thing, man. Whenever we saw Jay Travis in his early years at Florida State, just third and 17, those, those third and 15 pluses, just making something out of nothing and maybe not isn't a, you know, as an electric thrower. He's not going to do that kind of stuff or pressure you there. But, you know, as he progresses, he, he is going to be a threat, though at the quarterback position for Boston. They've got a quarterback, but first off, they got to start with discipline. And, you know, ooh, my goodness, that was that was wild. I thought we were being pranked. I thought we were being pranked. You're getting penalties right after TV timeouts, delay of games. I'm like, oh, my goodness. This is this is hilarious. So once once they get some things fixed up, you know, I, I think they've got their quarterback. And they showed a lot of physicality. You know, shout out to Boston College. They, they competed, and they put Florida State in a tough spot, man. They, they really did, and they showed up. They, they did not allow any points out of Florida State in that fourth quarter which is really impressive. And we usually will see Florida state excel in that area and they'll really put some points on the board, but they just couldn't. So speaking of that with Florida state having that poor showing, they've dropped in the AP poll, just one spot. Uh, but right now the rankings look like this. Number one, Georgia, number two, Michigan, number three, Texas, number four, Florida state, number five, USC, number six, Ohio state, number seven, Penn state, number eight, Washington, number nine, Notre Dame. And this friggin' pop-up won't get off my damn screen. Who's at number 10? I can't see it. 
<laughs> Someone in the comp. There we go. Oregon's at number ten. Should probably know that, but oh well. Oh well. Colorado, Oregon this weekend. Who, who's excited? Who's who's ramped up and ready for Deion Sanders to face uh, Oregon? Back to Florida State. They drop one spot <laughs> down after their poor showing up in Boston. This seems about right. We talked about it, Austin. You know, yeah. there could have been a chance here. You know, anytime Texas can show that they've got some life and that they've got any kind of contention of winning their conference, they're going to, you know, they're going to get some love. So, but still, yeah, when you show up like that and play that way, you're going to drop a spot. That's fine. But they can very much put themselves in a good spot, leaving Death Valley with the win, which they haven't done. 10 years yeah i don't think it's any surprise i mean the other three teams played pretty well compared to florida mm-hmm. state mm-hmm. georgia overcame that deficit and i mean handled south carolina i, I really didn't I was, pay attention i didn't pay attention to michigan no, to be honest but nobody <laughs> played well it was it was one of those weeks in college football where nobody played well um except for washington but they were playing a michigan state team that's going through their mel tucker thing um i i I'm I'm a little surprised they didn't just leave the top five unchanged and say it was just one of those weeks. We'll, we'll revisit it next week. They did uh, a coaches bowl. Yeah, it was like Texas struggled with Wyoming for three and a half quarters before finally opening it up at the end. Michigan struggled with I think whoever they're playing. I forget who it was, um, but it wasn't as big of a score as it should have been. And then Georgia looked horrible in the first half against South Carolina before finally opened things up in the second half. Um, now, obviously, we've spent enough time on Boston College, Florida State, that we know what happened in that game. It was just one of those weeks in college football, and I think this this coming weekend where there's so many amazing games on the slate, they're just going to use this week as the palette and say, you know, whatever happens this week, this is, is going to be very telling going forward. It's very early, obviously, too, but I want to pop this up every week, too, since there is no divisions, but just looking at them right now, Duke got a win, Florida State got a win, and Louisville did the rest. Obviously, have not played, um, you know, Clemson obviously losing to Duke early on, Boston College losing to Florida State, Georgia Tech down there, but this is what the standings look like as of right now. Yeah, as, as our guy Christian was saying, it's kind of make it or break it for Clemson in September. If they lose this game to Florida State, 0-2 in conference play is not the way to start out, especially with no divisions. Yep. Yeah, they're in a they're in a tough spot. But um, yeah, that's one thing that we're gonna have to start keeping a close eye on are these ACC games, which we'll have a lot more of them on this upcoming Saturday. So we'll keep you guys updated on that front where the ACC standings are uh, after this weekend. Uh, let's jump into just a little bit of NFL Knowles. Nothing too, nothing too wild in here this week, unless you're a big kicker fan. Graham Gano got a game winner. Uh, I think it was 34 yards for the Giants, which was a big one there with 30 something seconds left as well. Got a game winning kick there. So shout out to Gano after having a kind of a tougher st- start, right? Dustin, he, he missed one. Missed two. Yeah. In that, uh, in that season opener against Dallas one of them was blocked but you know to see him respond with the game winner and complete New York's massive comeback against Arizona I mean it was 20 to nothing at halftime and 28 to 7 and then they they come storming back to get that victory late in the game that was huge for him moving forward and you know I think it probably ensures that New York's going to keep him around after shelling out some money for that contract extension Really the big news of the night before we got to go on here live, it broke that 
Los Angeles Rams former FSU star running back Cam Akers is being traded over to easy over to the Vikings, man. You just you just can't get rid of you know an it, FSU running back in that room, can you? They said we went two games without Florida State running back. We are dead last in the NFL in rushing yards. Shit needs to change. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Let's go ahead and grab Cam Akers, but just go and tell us about that room. You know it better than us and Madison being in there as well. But uh, what do you think about that pickup for you guys and Akers heading over to Minnesota? The run game has been horrible to start the season. Like I said, they're dead last in rushing yards. They're second to last in yards per carry. They haven't scored a touchdown on the ground yet. And all offseason, we'd heard from Vikings coach Kevin O'Connell, the running game has to be better. We feel like we can be better. We feel like we can be more effective. And then they released Alvin Cook, and you're like, well, you better hope you can, you know, back that talk up. And they've just been horrible on the ground. Alexander Madison hasn't been explosive. Ty Chandler has been horrible in pass protection. They needed someone else in that room. And Cam Akers, a guy who's on that same Super Bowl team with Kevin O'Connell and offensive coordinator Wes Phillips, makes a ton of sense. There's a ton of familiarity there. And they got him for basically nothing. I think it's a swap of six-round picks in 2026. So it's three drafts from now. It's not really anything to worry about. Get a guy in the room that has some experience in the system that the Vikings are running and see if it works. They also signed a, they also signed guard Dalton Reisner this week to try and help improve that run game. They're doing what they can, and I think this is a good fit. I think it's an easy move. Like you said, Vikings have really struggled on the ground. Uh, Cam Akers obviously had a really tough start to the season, that 22 carries for 29 yards and a touchdown in week one, and then was inactive uh, this past week while Los Angeles explored those trade offers. But he, it really feels like he needs a change of scenery. You know, we've seen this now two straight seasons where – there's been some kind of tiff where the Rams, where he ends up away from the team and inactive, uh, you know, a couple of weeks last year, but only one game this time before getting traded to the Vikings. We'll see if maybe this move can kind of refresh him a little bit and uh, just kind of reboot his NFL career. Cause he is coming off of career season, you know, almost 800 yards last year, seven touchdowns on the ground. The potential is still there. He's just been kind of hamstrung with what Los Angeles is doing. He had that Achilles injury early in his career. But, I mean, Cam Akers still has a boatload of talent if the right team can uh, unveil it. He's instantly the most talented, talented back in that room. Granted, that's not saying much, but he's, he is an upgrade if he's healthy and mentally focused. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than that, with Cam Akers going to Vikings, uh, really just sticking with the charters over here on the West Coast, uh, Derwin James had a team leading 11 tackles, including seven solo tackles, something that we're used to seeing during his days at Florida State, did a lot of those, and also Asante Samuel Jr. He started the game, had six tackles, um, five solo tackles, and a TFL. So uh, shout out to those guys, DBU on the West Coast. Uh, still waiting on Jalen Ramsey, Maybe, hopefully maybe in October, potential make his comeback there with the Miami Dolphins. Once he comes in, though, man, with, with Xavier, there, there's a lot that that DB room for the Dolphins, there's a lot to be excited about, including the defense as a whole. They've, they've looked impressive so far to start the season, but still waiting on Jalen Ramsey to get into his groove and get back from his injury that he suffered in camp. Um, I think that's really it out of NFL Knowles uh, until – uh, I think James. Brian Burns had a decent game. Josh Sweat did all right. Um, Josh Josh Sweat did more than all right. He was killing us. There was one. There was one more had, too. I think he had. I want to say he had six quarterback pressures. Damn. And he beat our backup left tackle so bad that I, the left tackle tore his quad. 
ended up the season. Um, Jesus. Josh Sweat had a game. He he played really, really well and was, was living in the Vikings' backfield all night. Him and Brian Burns have they had a great season last year, but they're I think they're due for something massive this year, man. They're they're I doing think, great. And I think Ronald Darby had six or seven tackles for the Ravens as well. I think he's worked his way into a starting role. It's because the Ravens secondary is so depleted. Hey, well, he's coming off a season ending injury, so I think that just yeah. says something for him to get back in there mm-hmm. quickly. Yeah. Well, we'll have a lot more to talk about once Jameis gets traded over to the Jets. So that'll be really fun to talk about for sure. Or when the Vikings ain't go working with Zach Wilson. Yeah, the Vikings huh? could go 0-3 this week and trade Kirk. It could happen. <laughs> ain't no, one trading, no one's trading for Kirk Cousins. I'm sorry. Kirk's played well. I will say that. Kirk has played well. The running game's been terrible, and they can't stop the run. Those are the biggest and, things. And they can't. And, you, and they fumble everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, solely relying on Justin Jefferson to save the day. That's you could put me back there throwing to Justin Jefferson, Addison, and Hawkinson, and I would throw for three thousand yards. Okay, it ain't it ain't cousin. Not with this you offensive don't like your line. Cousin? He's all right, but I mean, look at those weapons. Come on. I, listen, I don't <laughs> like Cousins either, but he's he's made some throws. Um, let's go into some practice observations for Florida State versus Clemson. I know you weren't there today, Dustin, but we put out our. Uh, practice observations earlier this afternoon, but you were there for Tuesdays. Seemed like the defense had, had a nice start to the week, but then offense responded today and had a nice showing, but going to need both sides no matter what uh, here in a few days up there in Death Valley. But what do you see specifically on Tuesday uh, to you, D. Lou? I think the biggest question mark for any fans listening right now is really health. You know, the status for a lot of guys, including, of course, you know, it seems like he's going to be a go. He's going to be a go on Saturday for Jordan Travis. But still, he got dinged up. He got dinged up pretty well up there uh, in Boston. But there's a lot of health things, including Akeem Dent, who would, you would love to see available on, on Saturday for the Seminoles. Uh, a couple other things. Some guys got dinged up, including Tatum Bethune. You had some things with uh, some of the other defensive players. Uh, what what do you see Tuesday, Dilo? That you can give us. I know you can't give us the injury report like <laughs> NFL does. I know he can't give us the rundown there, but we, you know, you did get a tweet out there of some guys that were dinged up in the Boston College game that were practicing that you could put out there for everybody to see publicly. Yeah, we're pretty limited on what we can say injury wise, and until Florida State gives that official designation. But we, I mean, we did hear Mike Norvell talk about Jordan Travis and he said, you know, it isn't anything that they anticipate limiting him moving forward. And he's expected to be a full go in practice this week and going against Clemson. I mean, he has been, we, he actually spoke today after practice and said that, you know, he's feeling good after that shoulder injury. And I mean, it's just ready to go get after it in death Valley this weekend. So I think that's a good sign because, you know, in my opinion, he did at least look visibly hampered at times during that second half dealing with that shoulder injury. I would imagine Florida state, you know, they're going to give him a nice little shot on Saturday morning because Clemson, (laughs) they're going to be, they're going to be coming after him, especially with Florida state's offensive line struggles the last couple of weeks. And I I think that's a big one. We're going to see if, if um, Robert Scott, and Reese Smith are, are going to be able to go this weekend. You know, neither of them suited up against Southern Miss. They they weren't on the travel party to Boston College. So, I mean, that's something that we'll be monitoring during pregame as, as well as with Akeem Dent and some of the other guys that have gotten banged up as of late. You know, the, there were, I think, seven or eight members of the two deep that didn't end up traveling to Boston College. And, I mean, that included some guys that we didn't see get injured in games like Byron Turner Jr. and Quindarius Jones and – 
Um, I think KJ Kirkland did get banged up at the end of that Southern Miss game, but he wasn't there on, on the Boston College travel party either. You know, Keem Dent, who, who we've mentioned already, Kentron Poitier uh, and Ja'Kai Douglas. So, I mean, the injuries have kind of been piling up a little bit for Florida State. We'll see who's able to go on Saturday. But I do think after a physical game in Death Valley, Florida State is going to be pretty happy that they're going into a bye week after this where they can rest back up. But just kind of moving into at least practice from yesterday, the the real thing that I wanted to see was just kind of the energy and the response from the guys after, you know, that near collapse against Boston College. And, you know, I thought it was a pretty normal practice for Florida State. There, there were some guys maybe pushing things a little bit too much at times. Uh, it's a very physical practice at sometimes beyond the whistle uh, where the coaches <laughs> had had to get involved. But I mean, other than that, it, it was your typical practice for Florida State, which I think is a good thing that they're not pushing too hard ahead of that. What happened at Boston College and then now going into a massive game against Clemson where, you know, you're looking at this roster, you're looking at the coaching staff. Everyone except Odell has never beaten Clemson before. So this is a new experience for Florida State. They're going into a building where they haven't won a game since they won their last national championship. It would it would be huge for this program, I think, not only on the field, but also just mentally for these guys to finally get over that hump and take down an opponent that has handled them, frankly, over the years. Hmm. Wonder who was getting chippy there, going beyond the whistle. Yeah, I've got. I mean, I've got some nominations. I've got some nominations that I could put out there, but um, no, I think we know who brings a little bit of the juice during some practices. And I think too, you know, you got to have that. You know, have a little wake up call, but don't take it too far because you don't want to go through any more injuries at, at all. And you know, one thing I'm going to keep on keep an eye on during pregame is Akeem Dent specifically I think Marie Smith is such a vital factor for this offensive line and how they stick together I think that's huge definitely going against uh, Clemson's defensive front there man I he's just such a big glue for that offense as a whole I don't think people really understand how big he is as a leader in that offensive line room but as an offensive player but also around that whole team you know that's a big time veteran and um he holds everybody accountable too. It was funny being around practice with him and sitting around watching some of the OL drills and he pulling aside some of the true freshmen and, you know, making sure that they're on time for film, making sure they're on time for their lifts, uh, making sure that they're eating enough. You know, that's something that I just, you know, get to hear the lucky enough to hear that kind of stuff. And he's, he's a big time leader overall for that team. So you would like mm-hmm. to have that obviously going into what should be a really rowdy stadium and death Valley. So there, that's, there's a lot of guys that we, we want to keep an eye on going into this game. I think that's going to be the biggest thing. Be huge. I mean, it could very, it could change things big time depending on who's available and who's not for this team. I mean, I really think that that health along the offensive line is key for Florida state because I mean, we've just seen so many guys in and out of the lineup early in the season. I know Florida State has a veteran offensive line. But at the same time, you know, it's one thing to be working together in practice. It's another thing to be getting those game reps side by side. And I just feel like with all the the flipping and flopping and guys having to shift positions, that can't help out the chemistry of the unit. And I think we've seen it in the production of the run game so far. There have been some real struggles for Florida State on, on plays that they executed at a high level last year. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah. Keem Dent too, man. With 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 Will Shipley, I, I want to Keem Dent in there as much as possible, dude. Because I thought he had a nice start to the season as well. He was making some really good tackles, and for him to come down, you're going to need that against Shipley. Shaheen Brown too. Going back to Boston College game, a lot of things, at least in coverage, a lot of things shot coming down too early and allowing these guys open. Some things have got to be fixed on film uh, after that Boston College game. You're it's lucky that you're getting that that early. In the third game of the season, for sure, you get that. It's just only a week, though, before Clemson. So it's going to be a big t- turnaround on how you want to have your response. Magnavell has pressed so much about response, and this team has done a good job of doing that. But this is going to be their biggest test at what kind of response they want to be mentally going into this game on, on Saturday afternoon. Afternoon, Do they want to be big dogs? Do they want to fight? Do they want to win this conference? Had all this chatter. You got you got your NIL money. You got the transfers in. You've got everything. You got your quarterbacks. You got your star running back. Who Trey Benson will be a big talk here in a few minutes because we got to talk about him. Do you want to win? Do you want to win an ACC championship? Do you want to do that? And these guys have got to change their mentality, whole 180 from what they went up to Boston College with whenever they go up to Clemson on Saturday afternoon. They need Akeem Dent like desperately. Kevin Knowles just isn't fast enough. He's not a good enough tackler. And he's not experienced enough at safety to get these guys a line. They really need him in this game against Clemson. I know you just talked about it playing against Will Shipley mm-hmm. and Moffa, but they need him so badly. I do think one thing that helps Florida State in this game is that Club Nick isn't as big as a scrambler as, you know, Jaden Daniels and obviously Castellanos. I mean, man, that guy is yeah. one and one of a kind. I mean, man, he was insane on Saturday. So that's something that we heard Mike Norvell and Adam Fuller talk about. Uh, earlier this week on Monday during their press conference, how there were some guys playing in positions that and trying to guard things that they normally wouldn't just because of the way that Castellanos ran with his legs and how maybe it was affecting how the pass rush was coming upfield at certain times. I, I think that will help Florida State against Klubnik because, I mean, they've been pretty good for the most part as far as traditionally stopping the run. They have struggled with those quarterbacks and RPOs and things like that. But as far as traditional run stopping, They've been pretty good, and, and that's what Clemson – I mean, that's Clemson's bread and butter with Will Shipley and Moffa. Those two create a tandem, and if Florida State's able to win that battle, it's going to give them a very good chance of winning that game, forcing Club Nick to go into the air. And I, th- I think the biggest issue with last week was Boston College was running so many different misdirections that the linebackers were just lost in space, getting caught out of position. That was opening up those crossers and everything else. I think not playing a quarterback like Castellanos is going to help with that. But at the same time, you know, Kalen DeLoach has to play better. Omar Graham, when he's playing, has to be better. Tatum Bethune was pretty solid, but as a unit, that that whole room needs to be a lot better this week with a really talented running back room. And don't forget DJ Lundy, man. L- Lundy had some plays, but he also had a couple times. I'm like, where where are you going? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I've been I've been happy so far with the beginning. It just overall, I mean, it's it spread, man. The mentality, it's spread of just kind of missing out on your regular assignments from veterans. From veterans, you don't usually see that happen. And, you know, that happened on Saturday. You just got to hope that you wipe that off and move on from it. Dabo Sweeney talking yeah. about the game coming up this Saturday said, what a great win for them up there on the road against Boston College. They're a heck of a team, he said. Um, he talked about, too, how are they going to beat Forest State? How are they going to have a chance? To beat the Seminoles, he said, we have no chance against Florida State if we can't win the turnover margin. We have zero chance. We can't beat hardly anybody when you lose a turnover margin. That's the greatest equalizer in football. So really put an emphasis on Clemson not 
not losing the ball, fumbling, just like Christian gave us the rundown earlier. Fumbling the ball has been a big-time factor for Clemson and not being able to get down and sustain drives, uh, giving the ball away like that. But, um, yeah, Debo Sweeney, just a few, just a small couple things to say about Florida State going into this matchup. But turnovers is going to be a big one uh, for both teams uh, on Saturday, no matter what, man, because whoever gets the ball, the longest possession of time is going to be crucial for, you know, who wants to get on the board uh, the most. I mean, we not, saw, go ahead. Not, not necessarily because against FAU, I think FAU had the ball more than Clemson. Yeah, FAU held the ball for 34 minutes to Clemson's 25. So not necessarily the yeah. teams just have to take take control. They have to take care of the ball on both sides. But I was going to say, as far as Florida State side, we did see that, you know, having more turnovers in Boston College, Boston College out possessing Florida State by north of seven minutes. Yeah. They had all the recipes to pull off an upset. And I'm sure Clemson is going to be looking at some things that the Eagles did to try and do the very same thing. And, you know, we even heard Christian talking about it earlier, how they could try and take advantage of those clock rules. Boston College had a very good job, at least early on, of executing that game plan. You know, I think it was a seven or eight minute drive on their very first one. I mean, they were clearly burning the clock, you know, sitting in that huddle until there was 10 seconds left, things like that. Mm-hmm. Florida State gets the ball, goes down and gets that field goal in three or four minutes, and then Boston College gets the ball again for another seven or eight minutes. Florida State didn't get the ball for their second possession until, you know, I think 10, 11 minutes remaining in that second quarter. Mike Norvell mentioned almost 50 minutes of real time being on the sideline for that Florida State offense. So if Clemens able to do something like that early in the game and get Florida State out of a rhythm, you know, that that could very well make a huge impact here. So I'm sure the Seminoles are, are looking for ways to prevent that and at least on defense get off the field a lot earlier because those third down and longs, you don't you shouldn't be giving up conversions like that uh, that easily and that often against that type no. of opponent. No, it's gonna be no, really no. it's gonna be really interesting to see what Clemson does offensively with the time of possession. Cause like as you talked about Boston College really showed something that if you can stay on the field and sustain drives against Florida State, kind of keeps them out of the rhythm. If, if you look at some of these drives that Boston College had last week, they started with four minutes, then seven and a half minutes, then five and a half minutes, then another five and a half minutes in the second half. Clemson's been the exact opposite. Against against uh, against FAUs, three minutes, two minutes, one minute, one minute, four minutes, 50 seconds. Like they're getting in in and out of the field pretty quick. It's going to be interesting to see if they slow things down or if they try and stay what's been working so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's talk keys. We're kind of already sprinkling them in there anyways. But, you know, some things that maybe y'all have had on, on y'all's mind after this Boston College game and how they're going to be able to beat Clemson. My number one, and I think it's a discussion between all of us, is Trey Benson. The running game in general. Got, got to get going. Just, just the, the running game yeah. in general has to be a lot better because team here's teams are expecting counter now, and you can tell you can tell with Boston College how much they were overflowing the other side on counters and really getting their linebackers out in space. They have to find a way to be effective in the running game outside of counters because if they can open up the rest of the running game, then those counters are going to be there. And Trey Benson's just not one of these guys that can go side to side. He's he's got to put a foot on the ground and go. He can't be danced around the backfield. I think that's what's been holding him back so far. I think it's worrying. Only three, only averaging three point eight yards against Boston College, who we talked about at length, had really, really struggled when it came to defending the run against Northern Illinois and Holy Cross and Florida State's trio of running backs. I mean, at least Trey Benson, Lawrence Toa Philly, they couldn't get much going. Rodney Hill got sprinkled in there a little bit, and I mean, he had he showed some explosion at times, but he wasn't able to get a ton going uh, north and south either. So. 
You know, we we discussed it during the preseason. I didn't think that the loss of Treshawn Ward was going to have a huge impact on this crew entering the 2023 season. I think so far, you know, Florida State, it definitely feels like they're missing a piece right now. I think it's yeah. also missing Maurice Smith these last two weeks. Isn't helping. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, Maurice Smith, definitely, like I said earlier, big-time glue for the inside and getting some runs on the inside going. But specifically going to Trey Benson, too, I think of it kind of if you're also a Bucks fan, Rashad White, week one, slow, wasn't hitting his holes when he needed to, not with urgency. And that's what we're seeing, too, at Trey Benson, at least to start off with. And kind of what was playing that way last year at the beginning of the season, and then it started clicking. But – for right now, he's just kind of waiting on things. But for his size, he he's he's he shouldn't be allowed to wait like that. He you're supposed to go with some urgency. Definitely when things are open there, his size doesn't. He can dance around maybe for a size of Trishon Ward or he go over to to Lawrence Toa Philly potentially. But for Trey Benson, you need to put your head down and go, man. Definitely when there's an availability of a of a hold there, and that's something where just kind of thinking too much before going. I'm sure Coach Yak and them looking at film are, are trying to work on that with him. But it's definitely been a disappointing start for him on the season. And you know, if it's not going to keep on going, we see where you know we'll we'll see what Mike Norvell does offensively. He is going to put out there the best back that's going to be bringing the best production and. We could see, you know, you see Lawrence Toa Philly. He had a decent game, too, last year. was a big-time playmaker against Clemson, uh, you know, going back to also the year prior to that one. He was on the road against Clemson with his big play there. But, you know, you know, I it's getting close to where, you know, if we're not seeing more production out of Trey, you know, you got to start looking at some other guys to get in there. And I really like the way, you know, it's still latter half of games, it's maybe not the greatest competition. I, I don't give a damn. All I know is I see Kaziah Holmes hitting the hole and he's going with urgency. And if that's what I keep on seeing, then he's going to get up there and get more reps or he should get more reps. But um, there, there's just got to be better production there uh, on the running game there for this offense as a whole for Atkins and Norvell. Something, think- something just doesn't feel right there. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the offensive line injuries and, Having a flip flop, flip flop there. I don't know if it's Benson putting on a little bit, a little bit of weight coming into the season, but just something's not right. Because, like you said, Logan, he's not hitting holes. He seems more tentative. There's times where he's just completely missing the read. And you think back to last year, like yeah, he was still working his way back from that knee injury and really taking on the first big role at running back during his college career after transferring to Florida State. But he also was having that tenacity and going over there and taking multiple tackles to bring him down. I mean, you think back to that debut, I know it was against Duquesne, but I mean, there were guys slipping off yeah. of him left and right. He ended up setting, I think the PFF record for missed tackles per rush last year. And I mean, those numbers are just way down at the moment for some reason. I don't know if it's just the way that Florida state practices where the running backs, they don't really get a ton of contact during the preseason. You know, they're, they're in there and the white jerseys and the green jerseys and the defenders aren't allowed to take them to the ground for the most part and stuff or, or what it is, but that group just isn't running the same at the moment. And, you know, this was what Florida State leaned on last year at times, their ability to produce on the ground, no matter the opponent, no matter the situation. I mean, what they had – was it 300 yards on the ground against Clemson last year? They had a really they had a really good game uh, rushing the ball against the Tigers despite losing that game uh, last year. You've got to hope that it can come back to life this time around when they get to Death Valley because they're going to need that run game not not just this Saturday but throughout the season. It was it was 200 rushing yards last year against Clemson. Benson, Tofilly, and Travis each had 60 yards or more, and I think right there is 
is in the answer. Jordan Travis has to run the ball more. They need to get him more designed runs in this game. He's had, I think, 17 carries through three games this year, which may sound like a lot, but a lot of those are on scramble, and he's just trying to make a play. They got. I feel like he's got at least got to keep the ball more in those zone reads because, you know, I was noticing late in the Boston College game, they're not even respecting Travis on the read anymore. They're just assuming he's going to hand it off, and he's got to get more involved. He's too dynamic with the ball in his hands to – to not have those options. Yeah, I understand the limitations and not want to maybe get him hurt and such, but it almost feels like we've been talking about this on this show for a little while now, but there's some easy little throws that he can be making, man. There's just some little easy dump-offs oh, where guys are wide open. Don't get me started on the or, third and fourth down verticals. I've yeah, lost my mind while rewatching the film. Yeah, or you can just roll out and get the first down when it's just third and five. They'll have to throw it 25 yards down the field. Just some little things right there. You can scoot and then you can dive and such, but there's definitely a lot of corrections that this team still needs to make. And you got to hope at least you get 75% of those fixed before going into this Saturday. Um, this offense can be a lot better, a lot better. And, you know, it's just taking a little while for things to click, but it's got to start up front with that running game to help out, you know, that passing game too for Florida State. And you got to got to get something going here, treatments, and there can't be any more. Um, tiptoeing it really is if, if that starts off the game and he's tiptoeing it's going to be a long long afternoon and they're going to they're going to throw in somebody else there in the running back room that wants to hit the hole and it's just plain and simple definitely think there are some huge adjustments to be made just with how this team is reacting in general it just feels like they're going for that big play they're going for that kill shot every time no matter if it's on defense or offense and Whereas, you know, check down, take the inter- intermediate plays, the short runs instead of looking for the long run out of the gate and just execute and make those drives rather than just, you know, like you said, there was one play, I mean, probably multiple plays, but third and intermediate, Jordan Travis targets Johnny Wilson downfield instead of checking down to a wide open receiver over the middle that would have gotten four to say an easy conversion. It's just little things like that. You don't always have to go for the deep shot. They ran two slot fades to Lawrence Toffoli. That's the part that just kills me. You have Johnny Wilson, Keon Coleman, Destin Hill, Winston Wright. You have so – Jaheim Bell. You have so many talented playmakers. And the instant read, first read, slot fade to Lawrence Toffoli drove me absolutely nuts. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's not the only time he's done it this season. He's been wanting that kill shot all season. He's wanted that home run ball all season. But against Clemson, he's going to have to take this underneath stuff, take the slants, mm-hmm. take the drags, take the crossers. That stuff's going to win you this game, not those yeah. deep shots. Yep, stay on the field as long as possible. Um, that's going to be the key there. Uh, for me, number two is going to be the defensive line showing up early. This whole slacking around, just fooling around. This, this defensive line has no excuse not to play better to start off games. No excuse at all. Um, you know, just the amount of talent that's there. And I'll, you know, I always want, you know, I put down here, Jared verse, you know, he really needs to show up for this one. He usually does in big games, but you know, they're going to have two guys on him, no matter what, this should open up an opportunity for Pat Payne or Gilbert Edmond potentially, but still, you know, Jared verse just making an impact with the offensive line, really directing towards their attention to him should help a lot for the other guys, but this, this defensive line has got to show up earlier in this game. I mean, the linebackers got to play smart because of Shipley, but if this defensive line can jump in and, and cause chaos early on, that, that, that changes a lot of things or what, what Dabo Sweeney is going to do with this offense, because he's going to start relying on Klubnik. And like Christian was just telling us earlier, there's not a rely. There's not a whole ton of reliability right now between Dabo 
and Klubnik. Uh, still taking a while for things to click. So th- this defensive line needs to show up and needs to show up early. And and no no slouching around, man. Uh, just you can't can't do that. Too much too much talent. We raved about it this whole off season, and you can't just you can't start off games like that, man. Until you want to play in the third and fourth quarter, it's ridiculous. I think the interior has been respectable, but the defensive ends. I mean, yes, they. They've been a true disappointment so far. I mean, you look at Jared Verse, of course, opposing offenses, they're exerting everything they can to try and limit his impact. But, I mean, just three tackles and no sacks through three games, that's that's not the type of impact we were expecting out of Florida State star. And, you know, you hope he can pick things up here moving forward. But then on the other side, you know, Patrick Payton, with all the attention that's getting directed to Jared Verse, he hasn't taken advantage of the opportunity consistently. Gilbert Edmond and Byron Turner Jr. have gotten in there and gotten their opportunities as well. Hasn't been much better. So, I mean, I, I think that defensive end room as of right now, it's it's been a little disappointing to see how they've been through three games, and you're really hoping that those guys can pick it up. Yeah, at, at least with Verse, the pressures are there. I think he's got eight total pressures according to PFF. So, at least he's affecting the game plan somewhat. But the, the thing is, the other team has been getting the ball out fast. There's not a lot of time for these – for these defensive ends to really scream off the edge. Pat, Pat Payton's been pushed around a little bit, I think. Gilbert Edmond, too. He's been pushed around. Josh Palmer got pushed back a few times last week, and that was that was a little alarming. He's got to get back on track this game against Clemson. Um, I know they're going to rotate that interior defensive line a lot, but whoever's in, they got to really make an impact against Will Shipley and Phil Moffa. That, that's a very talented running back room. And I kind of have the feeling that Florida State's going to man things up on the outside. They're not going to play as much zone as they have these last two weeks. They're going to man things up because they don't really trust or respect Clemson's receivers as much. And they're going to really stack the box and make Klubnik beat them. I think that's what's going to end up happening. They're going to try and force these second and nines, third and sixes, third and sevens, just force Klubnik to beat him. And if he does, then so be it. But I don't think they're going to let Moff and Will Shipley especially beat them like he did last year. Yeah, I think more – Go ahead. I was going to say, I think that's got to be the game plan because you've got both those guys averaging six yards a carry. And, you know, the way that we're thinking about it, Clemson, it would make sense if they try to possess the ball as long as possible. And, and doing that means they're going to rely on that running game. And, I mean, if Florida State's able to shut those guys down and force Klubnik to go to the air as, as well as bring in pressure because Klubnik has struggled traditionally when you're bringing blitzes at him. I mean, that could be – that could flip this game for Florida State in a hostile environment. Yeah, I'd have more reliability, too, on Florida State's corners, one-on-ones. Renardo Green has showed his consistency. I really liked what Jerry and Jones has brought to the table in 2023 so far. Uh, a lot of consistency there with him as mm-hmm. well. Um, and Azrae Thomas continues to have those flashes and such. And then Fentrell Cypress as you know, there's some times where I'm like, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Turn your head around, please. <laughs> like, oh, my God, please turn around. Turn your head around. But he's in the right spot at the right time. Where it deflects, but still, um, I would still have more reliability there and let Klubnik try to beat you than anything. But you got to have your pass rush to do that. Yeah, I, I know some people got mad at Cypress for that long play he gave up last week where Castellanos threw just an insane pass off his back foot across his body. And Cypress was still close to the receiver, just the quarterback made an insane throw. Sometimes that happens when you bring six or seven under pressure and you're playing man deep down the field. Sometimes that happens. I think Cypress has been pretty solid. If Florida State felt comfortable enough to go man against LSU, which is the best wide yeah. receiver core they're probably going to see this year, you got to think that they're going to feel very comfortable doing it against Clemson and trusting that front seven to stack the box as well as probably throwing a safety up there at times like Shaheem and, or someone 
to really just try and limit that running game as much as possible. Force Clemson to throw early and see if you can get Klubnik out of a rhythm. I agree. Mm-hmm. Anything else, gentlemen, outside of our keys here before we go to score predictions? Um, just linebackers have to be better. Simple. I know I said earlier, but I'm going to restate that they've got to be better this game. Just Florida State's passing attack. I mean, hasn't been in sync the past two weeks. You know, we keep talking about the big plays. Feels like Florida State's playing for the big play. Just take the intermediate stuff, um, as as well as your receivers. You know, Keon Keon Coleman struggled against Boston College. Couldn't get going. Johnny Wilson struggled against Southern Miss. Shaheen Bell also didn't get a catch against Southern Miss. This is the type of game where you want to get all of your stars clicking early, get them into easy situations in those first two or three drives to kind of get that rhythm building. And, uh, you know, hopefully that offense can go out there and produce like we all expected coming into this year. Because last year, I mean, some very uncharacteristic performances. I know Jordan Travis was dealing with that injury there. Um, And, you know, we talked about health is going to play a big factor for this offense as well, depending on who is available entering that matchup on Saturday. But, just I want to see more consistency out of that unit against the Tigers. And, I mean, this is obviously a big game for Florida State. It seems like Jordan Travis and this group are at their best We're, when they're going into these opportunities. You know, we weren't sure what we were going to get out of them when they were going into LSU a season ago. And, I mean, they came out there with that performance. So, we'll see what happens on Saturday. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little concerned that the offense maybe wanted to press too much in this game because they feel like they have to make the big play against Clemson. And really, really the whole team, you know, it's comes has been such a roadblock for this team for the last decade. And I, that thoughts absolutely at the front of their minds that go, we are the team that's going to be clumsy. We have to do it. We have to make that big play instead of just making the plays that are there. That's, that's something that's going to be a concern for me until this, until this game starts. Um, like you said, this offense has to be more consistent just on a play to play basis. We haven't really seen it these last two weeks. And hopefully some of that's, you know, the staff wanting to save some of their, you know, tricks in the bag for this game, but they've got to be more consistent. Mm-hmm. I was going to say too, I mean, I'm, if you're coming from like a fan's perspective too, and you know, Florida state's mentality going into Boston college and then now going into Clemson, you're very glad that that happened against Boston college before going to Clemson, because you could just have in your mind, you know, let's take those big shots. Let's do it. Now we got to beat Clemson. We haven't done this. Let's make all of our mistakes here. And then you end up losing that game on the road. Whereas now you've kind of set in stone what you need to do, take the easy shots here and there. And you know, what didn't work against Boston college can't show up in that kind of play style and you're very glad that happened one week before you face Clemson where vice versa you probably would be taking those big shots that yeah. has you know kind of putting you in bad spots throughout the season so far so that's at least the optimistic part I'm thinking on the other side of things that you got that you done you figured it out you've seen it on film don't make those same kind of mistakes where you need to do it all to win to, to finally beat the Tigers you know so, and given how bland the offense has been the last two weeks, Norvell better be, you know, balls to the wall this game. Just I'll some freaky you. stuff with some with some <laughs> with some play formations and motions. I expect him to throw something out there. We're like, oh, <laughs> maybe some biscuit. I, I you know, I, yeah, I, 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 I'm right there with uh, William here on YouTube. I want some. I'm. I want some more biscuit. I understand you, you gonna put Morlock out there, and Jaheim Bell is a different kind of athlete more than anything, but. Biscuit hasn't given me anything, and we're talking about Marquise and Douglas here. Hasn't given me anything to where I don't want to see him out on the field. I want to see Biscuit out there more. Once I saw him last year play and the way that they were able to get some first downs and Jordan Travis was able to connect with him and he actually has some speed with him now, 
I, I want to see some more Biscuit. We already know the reliability that you can grab him with with blocking. Where yep. did Easton Douglas go? Where, why do we have to take him off? Because Morlock's taking a little bit longer of a time to get adjusted to this offense. Why don't you throw in a guy that has been reliable in your offense so far? That's one thing that I'm kind of against with on Norvell. Um, who knows? Maybe they've been saving Biscuit for specifically uh, FSU versus Clemson. Um, but yeah, that's a good point from William there. I, I, I don't understand why we aren't seeing more or uh, biscuit out there more. I don't, did, I don't understand that. Did you know Marquison's your highest graded player on offense so far, according to PFF? Who Marquison? Oh, yeah, yeah. wouldn't surprise me. More gravy on that damn biscuit, Norvell. Get and yet, that man in there. He's only, he's only played 29 snaps. That's unacceptable. I, yeah, I, I don't – I'm not understanding that. It wouldn't surprise me if you see him some more this weekend because, I mean, Morlock, at least looking back at it, uh, he seemed to struggle uh, a lot during Florida State's run blocking efforts there, missed a couple blocks. Whereas you look at what Mark Easton was able to do throughout his career at Florida State as a run blocker, I mean, he's been very good, especially on some of those counters where you've got him pulling to the opposite side. That's pretty much having like a sixth offensive lineman out there when you've got a 285-pound tight end coming in to take out a D-end or a <laughs> linebacker. I mean, that's a that's a commodity, especially with how Florida State likes to run the ball. So don't be surprised to see him get in there some and, and paving some way for these running backs. I hope so, man. Yep. I'm, I'm all in on Biscuit. Give me some extra gravy. Uh, all right, let's do our uh, score predictions so we can wrap up this show. We've got a long weekend ahead, so – uh, let, let's jump in here. Give score prediction. I think it's now back it's on back, to me. Yeah, back, yep, yep, back. Back. yep. I'll take it on. I'll take it on. I've had this one in my head for a max of like five minutes. So I just came to my <laughs> head. I didn't know what to go with this whole entire week, but kind of already getting the rundown of what this team needs to do mentally. And then just situationally, you know, there's a lot of things that they had to look back on film and fix. And, you know, I think a big factor is Trey Benson, and that that front seven really just in the, in the trenches and the outside from Jared Verse and Pat Payne. Pat Payne got got to show up here on Saturday. But I do think I'm going to stick with my preseason predictions. I'm not just devastated over this Boston College game. I think a lot of FSU fans feel like this is – it's all over. No, this team's too talented. They, they have good coaches around them. Um, I think this team is going to show up and be ready to go. A lot of guys dealing with some things, too, last week. I, I think they're going to show up and play – um, and their biggest star is going to have to show up. I've got Florida State win this one, 31 to 28 Seminoles on the road in Death Valley. Um, but yeah, what do you guys think? I think something's going to have to give, right? We've seen the traditional, you know, standard of Clemson where they don't want to, they, they don't want to go in the transfer portal. They want to do things traditional, bringing guys and develop them. You have Florida State, who's really thrived with the transfer portal Clemson's offense has been non-explosive I think they only have four plays of 20 yards or more then there's Florida State's defense that I think that's allowed like 16 plays of 20 yards or more so something has to give right I think Florida State's ready for this moment I think they've been preparing for this moment all off season all season they've been wanting this moment so bad and I think they're going to show up and play it's going to be one of those games where either Florida State dominates or it's going to be a really close game and Clemson squeaks something out at the end I honestly think Florida State's going to dominate this game and win 37 to 20. Oh, wow. Okay. A little bit of domination up there in Death Valley. It, it's a crazy take. I know I've been far from optimistic so far this year, but just something in me 
tells me Florida State wants to make a point this weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure it's been written up there in the locker room for a good long while to get this one done. Definitely Norvell, too. But go ahead, Dustin. This is a tough game to predict, especially with the history uh, on both sides here. You know, Florida State, I feel like, has the more talented roster coming into this game, but they've never been able to get over that hump against Clemson. No one on this roster has defeated the Tigers since arriving in Tallahassee. They've gotten really close, though, in 2021, had the lead in Death Valley before coming up short. Then last year had that furious comeback, and it ended 34-28 to after Clemson went up 34-14. to So, I mean, they've been so close so many times. And I just feel like with the experience across this roster, I'm a little more worried than I was coming into this one just because of the way last week went and Jordan Travis obviously banging up that shoulder a little bit. And there are some guys that we're not completely sure about entering this contest. But, I mean, assuming he's able to go and some of those other guys, Florida State is able to get into the lineup, you got to feel comfortable with what Florida State has and experience and talent coming into this game. They definitely have the edge in veteran leadership and guys that have been there before. And, I mean, they know that if they win this game against Clemson, you know, there's a path to the ACC championship. And, I mean, maybe beyond right there in their sights if they're able to take care of business week by week. So, I mean, Austin, I'm, I'm kind of feeling the way that you're putting things down. I think Florida State is going to handle this one. It's going to be pretty close, I feel like, throughout. But Florida State's going to do enough at the end to pull away here. I've got FSU taking it in Death Valley for the first time in 10 years. Uh, Florida State 38, Clemson 27. Mm, wow. Okay. Bigger margin. Out of you and, two guys. And, and like we said, like we said earlier, all three of us are going to be there. You know, we're two and zero when all three of us are there recently. That's all I'm hey, going to say. Well, I haven't been to Death Valley since 2013. I'm just saying we're all in person. We yeah. We've been at the last two LSU games. Those are the last two games we were all together. We're just we're there. in. Yeah, no, we're in good luck with big games. That's one thing that we are. Just don't let VZ stray off to a basketball game or let him cover a Wake Forest game. So, oh, in a month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, thank God uh, they don't have their quarterback there anymore. Thank the Lord's above us. Um, but, yeah, so everybody on here sticking with what they held on to and what they proclaimed in the preseason, Florida State beating Clemson. Um, this would, this is definitely a more nerve wracking one than I, Oh yeah. no matter what, I, it was going to be nerve wracking. I wasn't so nervous about LSU and Florida state's favor there. Um, you know, but this, this one's just always a little bit different, but love being up there and Clemson, the, the, um, the campus is beautiful. Love, love being up there in a stadium that's rowdy as well. So, uh, looking forward to it. We'll also have our instant reaction. We're, we're going to have tons of content because Christian who covers the Tigers, he said that we'll be able to get down there on pregame and such. So if you're not following us on Instagram, make sure you're following us on IG. Going to have a whole ton of stories, some pregame warm-ups with Jay Trav, Johnny Wilson, defense, everything. I'm going to have all the good stuff for you guys going out. So make sure you're following us on Instagram at Noel Game Day. And we'll be tweeting a whole ton of stuff. Well, I'll have live coverage there. We'll have tons of content going through at NoelGameDay.com. BZ will have our instant recap too that will go on to the site and then all three of us after press conferences are concluded will be on the field giving y'all our instant reaction to florida state versus clemson so we're finally here uh, not really where we're finally i'm not used, used to having clemson so early in the year but we're, we're here i'm excited for it it's, it's always a good time so looking forward to being up there in just a few days 
I appreciate everybody listening to the show. Everybody on the stream, thanks for all the questions and topics for us this evening. As always, you can list this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. If you're on YouTube right now, before you leave, got over 100 on there. Make sure you hit that like button, hit the subscribe button too. A whole ton of content going out there daily at this point. So make sure you guys are subscribed on all of those platforms and always YouTube. So everybody, safe travels if you're headed up there to Clemson. If you see one of us, say what's up. Don't be shy. Uh, but yeah, Florida State, Mike Norvell, Dabo Sweeney, Clemson, 12 o'clock, prime time, noon kickoff. Looking forward to it. And we will talk to you guys Saturday afternoon. Peace. Yeah, we're almost 17.